Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Hi, it's Britton, and I'm creating this episode in honor of the dark moon of what has been a very churning and revelatory lunar cycle. And I thought that it would help me, and in turn, I'm wondering if it will help you to spend a little time contemplating what's going on. (laughs) And find comfort in anchoring in the beautiful language of astrology and the language of the tarot to help us to reflect and contextualize our lived experience with these beautiful archetypes. So what I aim to do here is to share with you some things that I'm thinking about for the Aries-Taurus-Gemini bridge that we've, we've been in and are in still, which is in the Northern Hemisphere spring, And uh, let's see if in this musing and in this contemplation, honoring, bowing, I might be able to offer something helpful for all of us. At the end of this episode, after one of the beautiful interludes that has been created for this podcast by Jonathan Coe, along with the opening and closing musical tracks. Thank you, Jonathan. I will also be sharing a tarot spread that came to me in support of this moment, this dark moon, but could also be really, really useful anytime. And it's I'm calling it a tarot spread for the emergent no. (laughs) The no, uh, N-O, the emergent no. And I'm going to, I'm going to tease this out as we go. And then the gift of the spread itself will be at the end. And I'll also include some tips for it in the show notes and in my newsletter, and probably also in Instagram, if I feel like it. I've just not been very 
motivated to hang out on Instagram as much lately. So I don't like to promise that I'll do something there when I may end up not feeling it. So let us start to dig in here. Um, A month ago, almost, on April 11th, we had a new moon in Aries. So you can be like, you can like take yourself back to April 11th. Um, What was going on for you in this time period? And what we do at New Moons and the way that I talk about them here on Moon to Moon and in my Patreon community and with my, with anyone who's listening to me, (laughs) uh, there's a million ways to work with the moon. And this is just what I found helpful, um, is I like to see the new moon as like, um, as like a spell or a, uh, like a set lens that then kind of covers blankets, um, um, wraps around the lived experience from the new moon then into the next new moon. So for four weeks, basically. So even as the astrology continues and even as the astrology evolves, so like the sun moved into Taurus Um, Mercury and Venus moved into Taurus. They left Aries. Things have been happening astrologically. You've been living your life since then. There was an invitation that was proposed um, at that moment of the new moon that has been teaching us some things at various levels from various perspectives and points of view Um, Along a spectrum of uh, good, bad, hard, easy, um, skillful, not skillful. Uh, And thus, I see the period of the dark moon as a really beautiful time to be in shedding and releasing uh, and resting upon a lot of like realizations about all the things that you've been learning. And in that period, it allows some spaciousness to come in so that when the new moon arrives and we have a new moon in Taurus on May 11th, am I getting that right? I think it's May 11th. Um, Now I'm like, wait, what's the date? (laughs) Um, Grabbing my calendar. Um, on May 11th, we have the new moon. Yes, Tuesday. We have some spaciousness in that little window to, um, to listen, to listen to what's ready to come for us in the next lunar cycle. So I do a lot of new moon teaching and guidance in my Patreon community. I do lunar horoscopes, you can call them lunar, because they come with a moon thing a new moon. I do lunar horoscopes by audio, by sign, um, to guide you as you listen for what is trying to talk to you about the coming four weeks. But 
that's not the only time I honor the moon and the, the lunar cycle. The dark moon's really important to me. I was born as the moon was darkening. And uh, I feel very comfortable in the dark generally. I really like fall and winter. Um, I really like cave spaces, you know. I like to, like, hang out in my bedroom a lot. <laughs> I like cabins in the woods as, like, a, you know, dream getaway. And so the dark period of the moon, this is when we don't really see the moon, you know, like it's not as visible anymore because it's starting to more and more rise uh, with the sun. And so when it's with the sun, we can't see it. Thus, the, the sky is really starry in the times when we're in the dark and new moon because the moon's not there. Hmm. And so let's think about this cycle that we've been in then. So Aries was an invitation to the first sign, that first fire, the first fire of spring in the Northern Hemisphere. Aries is about self-sufficiency. It's about personal agency in your life. It's about bravery and like a kind of like bravado to just like go after things like just to just follow the fire you know just follow the fire of what's exciting for you feeling that like animated spirit of yourself that rises fire rises up you know we it starts low and and it moves us through us it lifts us up so it's our energy fire and aries is a particular kind of fire energy that like goes fast and it goes quick and it wants what it wants. And it's really, really helpful energy in so many ways because Aries is so, so good at telling us what we want and what we don't want. Um, and it can get us into things before a more like indecisive or a more like fear-based or a more self-critical part of us can be like, oh, no, no, you probably shouldn't do that actually, you know? So the Aries part of you is here to help you like run with uh, your passion, with hope and ferocity and like uh, the fun of that. Like it's super exciting to be riding your fire says the Aries rising. Um, and, and you can listen to the Aries season um, episode for much more on that. I don't feel like I need to do a full Aries definition because I just did it in the last episode. So something that I was sharing a lot with my Patreon community was that Mars is very present in the lunation that was set at the new moon. So at the time of the new moon, it was a Mars ruled lunation because Mars rules, we say, it guides, it instructs, it looks after what Aries is up to. Mars is the planet. Mars is the teacher. Mars is the archetype we're turning to for wisdom, for teachings, like show me what I'm learning here, teacher, Mars. <laughs> so Mars has been the 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 ruling teacher of the last four weeks. And Mars at the time of the new moon was in a helpful conversation, a sextile we call it, from its place in Gemini. 
And so at the time of the new moon, Mars was actually talking to the new moon, like, I'm here with you, I'm seeing you, I'm going to help you with some uh, direction, directed energy is very Aries and very Mars, like directed. Mars rules pointed objects. So we can giggle about how it rules the penis. (laughs) And it rules like spears and swords and knives. It rules surgical um, tools like scalpels. You know, it it rules um, anything that helps you to penetrate, that helps you to probe, that helps you to separate out separating. So there was this invitation at the beginning that we were on the scent for, for like, this is going to be a cycle about separating in some way. This is going to be a cycle about uh, moving something out of our way. That's very Aries. Aries moves things out of its way. Like, move. (laughs) This can be a, like an annoying part of Aries, you know, like a less skillful aspect of Aries when we're like, get out of my way. Or like, you're moving too slow. Or like, uh, I need, I need this to happen faster. So please, please step aside. Cause like I'm running here. Like I am moving with this. Me personally, I have not been running because I'm still dealing with foot issues. If you've been following my foot woes, um, I personally have Neptune trining my Mars right now. And it's um, just a really interesting thing that like, uh, I'm not able to use my Mars right now the way I would really like to. The way that I process my life is through exercise. Like I just put on my sneakers and like go run it out, you know? And so I've been on this journey about like how else to access um, guidance and information and inspiration. And it's been a thing, but I'm digressing. So we've been in this Mars ruled lunation that's been helping us think about things like separating out what's in the way. And what I'm going to propose for us is that this separating aspect is a, a kind of no, N-O. The sacred no, we could say. And here I'm going to call it the emergent no. Mm-mm, no, right? It's like, ugh, we feel it in the gut, no, you know? Okay, and also let's sit down into some tarot associations here. Like we're thinking about emperor energy when we're thinking about Aries, just like sitting in yourself and taking up some new space. Like what are the roads that need building? What do, how do I access my power? How do I set up my life so that I can give my best power? Um, to me, Aries is like Mars meets Saturn. You know, it's like the, the disciplined will. The disciplined will. And for that, you need to believe that you have a right to be here and take up space and give. That you have an important role in your ecosystem. That you can be an emperor that's not harmful and that's not oppressive 
and that's not tyrannical. These are all big healing things right now. We also think about the tower. Mars rules the tower. Um, You know, in the tower, we usually see some kind of burning structure. And we think about how fire purifies and it burns away what needs to go or is ready to go. So that's, so tower can be very difficult, but Mars is like separating us out. Like we usually see people jumping out of the tower. They are literally separating themselves from what is burning and getting out of the way. We know that this moves on into the star where we heal after these experiences. Um, So tower energy has been very present because it's a Mars-ruled lunation. And I feel that personally, like in massive ways. I've been pulling the tower a lot. Uh, I don't need to pull the tower to know I'm in tower. I'm in a lot of tower right now. I kind of have a tower life and Mars rules my chart as an Aries rising. I'm here to tell you that I trust the tower, but it's not easy. So you can sit back into your life and think about whatever has been present as like burning away because there's been a no. So, and I'm remembering that I remembered it this morning. I actually pulled, I heard two cards today and I pulled the devil and the star and it was like, oh yeah, I made an episode a year ago called Between the Devil and the Star. And what's between the devil and the star is the tower because the whole episode was about the tower and I titled it Between the Devil and the Star, like kind of thinking about those three as like a bridge, you know? And so I, I do really feel that bridge right now. Um, and uh, just thinking especially about how like so much of the last year was very devil because Capricorn is the ruler of or the related sign for the devil. And so much of the astrology last year was Capricorn. And the the astrological sign we associate with the star is Aquarius and they, so much of the energy of this year's astrology is for coming from Aquarius since Saturn and Jupiter moved from Capricorn into Aquarius. So the tower is what is in between, you know, get, bringing us to the star. So if you want more on those like bridge ideas between those three cards, I definitely would love to have you go check out that episode I did about a year ago between the devil and the star. So what, what has allowed the no, the emergent no to be heard has been the support we've been receiving from Taurus. So, and I'm going to talk more about, oh, I, I did talk about Taurus already. Yes, because I have a Taurus season episode too, the one after the Aries season episode. So um, you can also go to that episode for like a deep sit down with Taurus. But let's like remember some things here. Like Taurus then says, let's consolidate. Let's build. Let's stop here. Let's grow what we started with Aries. Because Aries is all like, go. 
And Taurus is like, stop. We got to, we got to like build this pretty. We got to make it last. Let's work on this. Let's have fun doing it. Like we, we need to make this place set up so that we can enjoy ourselves here. And, um, so Taurus is this much more slow energy of sweetness because it's ruled by Venus. Venus is the guide here. And um, so in the, this beautiful sacred geometry of the language of astrology, Venus is always what balances Mars. So Libra, Venus ruled, balances Aries. And then Taurus, Venus ruled, balances the other Mars-ruled sign of Scorpio. You may associate Pluto with Scorpio, and that is perfectly fine. But before we discovered Pluto, we always associated Scorpio with Mars. And I prefer to honor the, the old ways, even though I still make space for modern associations. It's a preference that astrologers have to decide on inside of themselves because there's no like governing board that's going to say what you have to believe, right? Or what you have to do, which is part of why I like astrology. So when we're thinking about Taurus, it's just, it's a slow earth sign, you know, it's fixed earth, it's rooted. And as I talked about so much in our... Uh, Taurus episode, Taurus is very related to your values because everyone's idea of abundance, which is a, which is a Taurus concept, everyone's idea of abundance and it's a darker twin. And I don't like the phrasing darker twin. Let's say uh, a shadowy underside scarcity uh, the um like the the fear-based flip of abundance can be scarcity um we don't have that doesn't have to be there like we can just have abundance we don't have to have scarcity but in the capitalist system that we're in scarcity thrives and so scarcity can be a, an obstacle to our sense of abundance. Okay, so, but what I was talking about is how we, we root into our values. And thus, from that rooting, we say, this is what abundance feels like. This is what pleasure feels like. This is what good receiving feels like. This is what wealth is, you know? It comes from knowing our values. When I didn't really think about values or like prioritize naming that and just was kind of like do 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 like floating around like my sweet Piscean little self just like uh, adopting other people's values like trying them on <laughs> shape shifting between different people's value systems like this will be interesting. I'm going to try being like this for a while, you know, <laughs> uh, which is wonderful because it was um, a great learning experience to be a shapeshifter with my values. Um, I have had many def- definitions of abundance over the years, you know, and like what l- wealth is. 
um, what receiving means, what reciprocity means, what beauty means, what delicious means, you know, what having, what having means, what do I want to have? And it's a great gift to the Pisces to deepen into your Taurus. You know, the water signs love the, the earth signs and the earth signs love the water signs. There's so much beautiful teaching between them. And personally, I have Chiron and Taurus. I'm a Chiron and Taurus generation. And I have had a hard time with Taurus a lot in my life. And um, one of the ways I learned from my, uh, my teacher, Adam Summer, about how to connect to your Chiron is to really understand who your greatest mentor was. Chiron was a great mentor to heroes. I encourage you to look up Chiron if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's the wounded healer, uh, Centaur from um, mythology. A great teacher, lived on a cave, holistic healer. And uh, in the past few years, as I've been having a Uranus trans, because Uranus is in Taurus, Uranus has been waking up my Chiron. Uh, and I've had Chiron, which is currently in Aries, on top of first my ascendant point and then on top of my south node. Don't worry about trying to keep up with what that means. If that's confusing, just know that I, there's been like waking up, like Chiron's very, has been very alive for me the last few years. And in the process, I've been having awakenings, that's Uranian word, about what it, what abundance is, what havingness is, what my value is, what my worth is, what I want, what I desire. And trusting in that I, the idea that I have the resources. Those are all Taurus second house words because that's Taurus is a second sign, so we associate it in many ways thematically with the second house, and that happens to be where I have Taurus. I've been redefining having this and redefining and reprogramming my trust in myself that I'm the source of my own prosperity, that I'm the source of my own wealth. And I have everything I need to provide, provide being um, a very like pentacles-y word that we can associate with Taurus vibes. And so through the tarot, we also think about how Taurus is connected to the Hierophant, which is the speaker of sacred words, because Taurus rules the throat and the vocal cords because it is through the throat chakra, it is through our throat that we make choices in alignment with our values, that we say things that relate to our own sacred speech, that we honor our teachers by also knowing what is ours and what is theirs. That's really important. Sources are sacred. Citing is sacred. And... We take responsibility for the things that come out of our own throat, come out of our own mouths, because people are listening and they're noticing our values through our actions, our words, and our choices. And I shared with you that in the last episode. 
that the Hierophant is my life card because if you add up the numerals on my birthday, you get 32 and then 3 plus 2 is 5 and 5 is Hierophant. And I also think about the Empress with Taurus because the Empress is the card we associate with Venus of like really being able to sit back into the throne and into the garden of your life and just receive its bounty. Receive compliments, receive pleasure, receive joy, receive what you want without shame. Just bring it in. And from that uh, willingness to be receptive, you have your creativity. You have your life force. And this is in concert with Mars energy. So, as I've shared, the Taurus parts of who we are have been really changing, really waking up because there's this Uranian presence. Uranus is an awakener. It destabilizes your life so that you can like stop being on autopilot, you know? It's like, wake up, innovate, invent, revolutionize the way you're doing you. And it's doing it in the sign part of us that's the most rooted. We're all the most rooted in the part of us that is Taurus. So it has been a very then Uranian lunar cycle Because the planets moved into Taurus and started activating Uranus, like waking this Uranian element up, which is a very prominent present for us for all of 2021, as I've shared many times, because Uranus has all of this conversation going with Saturn and Aquarius. And so it's impossible to say that we can fully understand what Uranus is doing for us right now. But we can definitely point to the like effects. We can point to the signs that Uranus is, Uranus is having a great time destabilizing everything and waking us up. So, you, so to make this listening helpful to you, you can sit back into yourself and think about like what are the shakeups? What are the shakeups? What has been shaking loose? What are you awakening to? What are you seeing that maybe you were refusing to see before? And, you know, it's just what, what's being revealed to me and to many, I feel like this axis of Mars-Venus, this axis of Taurus-Scorpio and also Aries-Libra, it's just so present and it's teaching right now and in its wisdom about synergy and the synergy between like giving and receiving and the no and the yes. And so something that's been coming up for me lately is this idea of vulture magic. <laughs> vulture magic, you guys. Um, and this is inspired because, um, my dear friend, Jonathan Coe gave me the Brady tarot at the beginning of 2021 on an instinct that, uh, it would be important to me. And 
I have really come to feel like this is this is the deck for my hands, at least for right now at this moment in my life. So it's been a really deeply appreciated gift. Um, and the guidebook for the Brady Tarot is written by Rachel Pollock, who's a well-known tarot writer and teacher. And uh, many, many times over the course of this cycle and at key moments in the cycle, I have pulled justice from the Brady Tarot. And in and I'm going to read to you, since you can't see this card, I'm going to read to you Rachel's description. I should say Pollock's description to be more honoring so that you can visualize this in your mind. Um, in one of the deck's most powerful images, this is Rachel Pollock, we see a turkey vulture with outstretched wings. Its beak holds an arrow from which dangles a set of scales. You may remember, this is Britain again, that Libra, is, that justice is the card that we associate with Libra. And Libra is symbolized, like its symbol is the scales, just to loop that around. The arrow, this is Rachel Pollock again, symbol of the mental suit of air with its power and authority replaces the sword of the traditional justice card. Here, the weapon becomes secondary to the scales. They hold the egg and skull of a turkey vulture, that is, life and death, past and future. In many modern tarot decks, as here, justice falls exactly in the middle of the major arcana, with ten before it and ten after it seeing the fool as the traveler. The second half of the deck is more challenging, including death, the devil, and the tower. We need to balance our experiences before we can face these intense cards. That is, we cannot understand how to move forward in life. We cannot make truly free choices until we know what brought us to who we are. Emmy calls vultures, quote, the gate, Emmy is the artist, Emmy Brady. Emmy calls vultures the gatekeepers between life and death, for they create new life from dead bodies. Through feeding and then laying their eggs, and further, they, meaning vultures, have an almost alchemical power to cleanse dead bodies by eating the diseased flesh including those infected with botulism or plague. In fact, their waste is not just sterile, but sterilizing. You could literally rub your hands in vulture feces and they would come out cleaner than they were before. It's pretty amazing. So again, the card shows this vulture's arms open with an arrow in the a cross and then scales hanging from the arrow and then you see a pile of poop and you see wait did I get that right a pile of poop yes uh, a skull <laughs> you see a skull of a turkey vulture not poop but that's because I was just talking about feces <laughs> you see the skull of the turkey vulture and one side of the scales and then you see the egg right so like death and life um, and this idea of vulture magic of light, 
I'm finding this idea of vulture magic to be um, to be this idea of like really seeing what is dead or rotting in your life as this like cleansing, sterilizing, purifying, uh, even edible um, stuff that becomes the egg of new life. Like, as in, this is very Taurus Scorpio, life, death, life processes. We have Taurus at the height of spring and we have Scorpio at the, at the height of autumn when we're celebrating Halloween. And it's this idea of like, of life, death, life just being what there is, right? And vulture magic being like, of, of feeling like a way to feel more safe or feel more protected or feel more like natural with nature by appreciating, witnessing, even feasting on what is dying or dead in your life so that you can make space for a seed to grow of new life. Um, This is what I'm feeling Because your no, N-O, your no comes from your knowing that there is death in not asserting your no. Let me say that again. Your no, the reason you have a no, the emergent no, is from this knowing deep inside of you that if you don't assert your no, there is death. Like something is going to be dying and rotting in your life. And it's just going to be like in your life, stinking things up, you know, whatever that is, like your no emerges when your no emerges, it is because death is somehow present. You sense it, you smell it, you know it. If I stay here, and do this, I am going to be dying in some way to myself. So to disregard your no is to disengage from your pulsing, vibrating life force, i.e. your yes, your yes. Your no makes way for your yes. You know it's a no because there's something stinky about it that is not going to be contributing to your life force energy, which feels like a yes. And, uh, you know, this is not easy. This is not easy. There is so much grief There can be, I I guess that there's not always, but whether it's subtle or major, there's so much grief in endings. 
There's, there's grief that something is starting to die, you know? There's a grief that has to be faced when you start to know that there's an emergent no. Because it means that you recognize something is dying or dead or rotting. And to face that means saying it's dead. And saying it's dead means facing grief. And grief is hard. But to not... To not, to refuse to recognize the emergent no is to just sit with death hanging out in your life, which will slowly winnow away your ability to say no at all because you can develop a pattern of becoming numb and unconscious to what is ready to be cleared because you don't want to face the clearing itself because it will face it will mean grief and the grief is because it is so sad that everything ends and the very human beautiful part of you that wants things to stay the way they were and wants the life that was once so pulsing to still be pulsing wants that to stay forever And that is very beautiful and very human and poignant and sweet to want it to keep living when it's not living anymore. But the way to bring in the next living thing, the way to allow for a seed to grow within yourself for something enchanting and lively and reviving and beautiful is to face the grief and say no to sticking around for that which is not going to be alive for you anymore. Um, And I feel like this is what Aries Taurus has been teaching me. It's been super intense in terms of endings. And it's been because I've been so in touch with my values that I have been able to really smell the no, the emergent no coming from my Aries. It's really beautiful because... Sometimes Aries' no can be a little bit like chaotic or um, misaligned, you know? But when it's rooted in the Taurus values, your Aries, Mars, and no is very clear and very affirming to life, death, life, to the truth that everything changes. And that is... That is like the higher consciousness around it and also true that we are humans and it's sad, you know? 
And in the dark moon, it's a really supportive time to honor that grief. It's a really supportive time to continue to also cut things out. You know, like we are in a a moon in Aries weekend. If you're listening to this after I've posted this, it's a moon in Aries weekend uh, because we're, we're back to the zone where the lunar cycle began. Um, so it's still a great time for cleaning and clearing, you know, just like, no, I don't ever wear that. I'm donating it, you know, like, no, this is not working for me. Um, rooted in your values and like what you're trying to bring in for abundance in your life. Pruning. And all of this supports the larger bridge because for me, I feel like the glory of Gemini is to be in this lively, lively, fertile, rich space established by Aries Taurus, where butterflies and bumblebees and pollen is like moving around, everything's cross-pollinating, everything is enriched and enlivened by this busy, buzzing energy that is all made it, it's like we make our way to Gemini from the processes of Aries and Taurus, you know? And I mean, for me, Gemini is like heaven. says the Jupiter and Gemini native. Um, I like love being in Gemini energy of just like, I'm so stimulated. (laughs) Bees, you know, just like butterfly gardens, like following everything that you love. Um, just like thriving in that stimulation and curiosity and conversation and things moving around and just like I could go any way I want to. And the, the, the freedom of that is established by Aries Taurus. I give our Mercury ruler of Gemini a like really clean space to roam and to buzz. And zoom around and have a great time. And, uh, you know, I think about how vulture magic, justice being the card associated with Libra, and in French, Libra is free. I don't know if the word sources come from the same etymology. I'm just rolling with this idea of how liberating it is. Libra, liberating. The liberating possibility of trusting in life, death, life. Trusting that death clearing creates space for new life, creates seeds for enchantment and for growth, creates a deeper connection to what wealth means to you. A deeper connection than thus to your magic because the ruler of Gemini is Mercury and Mercury is the magician. You know, it's all connected. And so to me, 
in a larger picture way, you know, what spring does Aries, Taurus, Gemini is to help us establish an ecosystem that we can trust and feel good about, you know? And all of that is making way for cancer. And cancer is huge because cancer is home, is what, it, what belonging means to us. And I'm just like so moved by all of this. Um, we have, we, have a, we have still learning to do. I'll talk about this more in my Gemini season episode, but I'm gearing up to... I mean, cancer is so important to me that I created a class around it. It's called Soft Strength. This will be my third year to do it. I do it in cancer season. The moon rules cancer. I have a podcast called Moon to Moon. I wrote a workbook called Moon to Moon. I care a lot about moon. And so I'm going to be preparing the way for a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation in this podcast around cancer and moon themes to build us there. And I'm also going to be doing a free webinar on working with eclipses because Gemini is going to be holding the eclipses before we get to cancer. And so if you're wanting to learn more about working with the moon, please enjoy these upcoming episodes. I'm going to be building up so much momentum around them because I want to honor the moon and I want to honor cancer and all I have been learning the past few years about coming home and belonging and listening to my inner voice and healing my inner child and all the themes that I'm going to be talking all so much about as we build up to soft strength and I move through that free webinar. Um, So just stay tuned for all of that that's forthcoming because it's going to be... (sighs) really, really beautiful and really, really exciting for me and really transformational to the people that the course magnetizes. So just stay tuned. I'm just kind of dropping that now because what I'm feeling so much right now is like (gasps) just the beauty of this language and this idea of like Aries, Taurus, and Gemini clearing a path to cancer and how much I love to talk about cancer. So um, we'll stay with that. Um, So after this interlude, I will share with you then the tarot spread that I'm giving you that you can play with and amend to your taste for the emergent no.
Okay, I would like to share with you the tarot spread that I created for your emergent no. So this is a dark moon exercise for self-care that you can do anytime, no matter what. It's just particularly helpful right now and particularly helpful in the darkening of the moon. But you know, we're always in many cycles. And wherever the moon is, you may be in a darkening cycle in other ways, you know. So my point is we don't have to be super um, rigid, right, with lunar work. It's, uh, there's more than one cycle always that's happening at a time um, when we're working with astro- astrological magic and astrology generally. So... Here it is. Um, so it's um, seven cards total. And I have it set up so that um, there's three vertically, if you want to visualize this, and two on the left side of the center card and two on the right side of the center card. Um, in much the same way as my your head spread if you've had that reading with me or if you have seating in the year where you can get that spread. Okay. So then what I like to do is to shuffle and um, only like cut and pull once and then the cards are all underneath that place where I have the top pull, right? But you may like to reshuffle with each card that you put down the way, the method, how you how you do your tarot relating is completely up to you. But what I what you can ask for when you're shuffling is for clarity and for your highest and best and for the highest and best of all sentient beings, highest levels of love and compassion. Ask to receive a message for self care regarding the emergent no or your emergent no. And so the reason to me it feels emergent is because I feel like in many ways, you know, our no incubates our no is under the surface of our conscious self. It is like um, growing, literally, like a seed, like anything that is under, under the ground and growing, in, but we can't actually see it visibly, you know? Like, in many ways, our no, I think, (laughs) is like under the ground, planted, and it's um, doing things, you know, it's like growing and understanding what it is. And, you know, you can feel this like when you are, like, if you have given a no, you know, for like a relationship or to a job that you've been in or to a home or to a place. Any 
type of um, larger no, you know, because there, there's the no in the moment, you know, and part of how we can access the no in the moment is because we have intimacy with our more gestating no's that are much harder to give, you know. And so I feel like the emergent no is the first card, card one. That is like the card that teaches you about what's maybe unconscious to you, right? Because because it's emergent, it's not necessarily fully revealed. It's a smell you have. It's like a there's just something kind of rotten, you know, or there's something bothering you. There's something that's frustrating or annoying or just irking you. Uh, you know, either the no is not necessarily fully present. There's just this sense of the effects or this, like the signals that this um, no is gestating and your brain doesn't maybe necessarily understand oh it's because I don't want to live here anymore or whatever you know until until the no is ready to emerge like it's it's not visible it's not conscious necessarily sometimes the no can be gestating for decades the deck, the no can be gestating a very long time before you are really able to look at it. You know what I mean? And sometimes the no happens in a split second. But it's usually the harder no's, the ones that are going to require a lot of change, that gestate in the unconscious realm for some time. And so... When you decide to sit down and do this tarot spread, you are indicating to yourself and to the universe that you are prepared for transformation, that you are aware that doing this tarot spread is going to be a catalyst for change. When you sit down to do this tarot spread, you acknowledge that there is a gestating no because something is dying. And you may not know what it is, but you are ready to begin to have clarity around it. So you might not want to do this spread if you're terrified of this information. <laughs> like, this is a spell, you know? So... If you are ready for change, if you're ready to know like why you're irked, if you're ready to stop being bothered by the smell of something rotting, and you're ready to face the consequences of your no, then this is the spread. So the card number one, which would be the center card, is the emergent no. And so allow whatever comes forward to give you a knowing of what it is. Allow it to be open and free so that you can be surprised in case it's not what you thought it was. 
you know? Because sometimes that's not what we think it is. Sometimes we project onto other things because we don't want to look at the thing, you know? This is totally human. And so the card can help you get a little closer to, um, yeah, that's it. Okay, so then to the left of the emergent no would be the card where you're asking why you might be struggling to act on your no. Like why you might be not wanting to see it. Why you maybe have been resistant to having consciousness around this thing. And your willingness to look at this card is proof to yourself that you have the strength to face the chaos of change, to face your teeming life force energy coming back to you with your no, that you are not afraid that grief may be involved in the next moves. So this would be a card that like helps you understand like what the resistances might be or what might be contributing to the no being unconscious. To the right of the emergent no, then would be your ally, your teacher for acting on your no. Like <sighs> grounding into that, you know, grounding into sitting back into your intuition and listening to your wisdom with this ally. This is an ally. This is a teacher for helping you to see a way forward that will not be self-destructive, um, that may involve destruction, may involve wound, may involve hurting yourself or hurting other people, that you understand that that's part of it. But as an ally teacher, it's going to help you with the next steps to like minimize harm, even as it acknowledges that destruction is part of creation. At the bottom, underneath the emergent no, is your foundational support, your values trying to talk to you. Your values trying to talk to you. And like this is some Taurus vibes. <laughs> um, this is like how you are rooted in something that matters to you at a deep value place core values core self this core support this is root support root support for you to like land on to to ground into to sink into for you to give that emergent no a chance to do what it wants to do and um There's something about that that involves the heart for me. You know, like the core values are the most clear, I think, than when the heart has been consulted. 
and then to the way left of the spread would be the truth of past patterns. We can also call it the energy of vulture magic. Um, of like, uh, it's something that you're leaving. This card speaks to what is the like something about the decay um, to support you in allowing yourself to see what is being transformed. It's a card that will help you see life, death, life processes, vulture magic, death, and new life. It will help you see how there's some aspect of the past that is a feast for you. It's a feast for you. Something of the past for you to take into the future. What do you want to feast upon? Vulture magic. Like the truth, the essence of that of past patterns. Like something there was good, which is maybe why you're not willing to see your no. <laughs> you know? And this is what you feast on. And then to the way right, right being more like future, left being more like past, you know, um, bottom being root, top being fruit. To the way right is what will change when you listen and act on your no? What will change when you listen and act on your no? And likely here you will be learning something about the seed, right? So to the way left is like, what is the carcass, the dead that you feast on? And to the way right is like, what is the nature of the seed from that feeding vulture magic? <laughs> and like acknowledging the integration, you know, like that card will allow you to see like the threshold moment where the end becomes the beginning. And then at the top above the emergent no is the gifts and fruits of your boundaries. To me, this is like the card that shows you about how you facilitate your um, pollinating garden of just joyful spring bounty. You know, um, this is like a Gemini type card then for me um, of like, what does it look like? What are the gifts of passing through Aries and Taurus, you know, and, uh, you know, what that feels like to me is uh, just like wild richness wild, pumping, buzzing, exhilarating, exciting, teeming life, you know? And just like giving that to yourself. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What comes, you know? 
And so for all of these cards, you can allow the art of the cards to speak to you as much as like quote unquote meanings, right? Sometimes when we do deep threads like this, it's the, it's, these are the most important ones for letting the cards speak intuitively and not letting your analytical brain get confused or overthink or um, doubt yourself, you know? These are the kinds of spreads for sitting down in great openness to receive some wisdom <laughs> that will just come to you without it feeling laborious. You know, and uh, it is my deep desire that this will be supportive to you. And that my own processes of self-care might be of service. I will be very active in Moon to Moon in the coming month, and I'm so excited about that. So stay tuned for big, exciting promo vibes with lots and lots of giving from me, free giving in my podcast and newsletter and in page well i guess patreon's paid <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you i graciously receive um but whether or not you choose to join soft strength which you'll be hearing a lot about um i know that um it will be very joyful to give along the promotional period as i sincerely honor um, what the teachings of that course have been teaching me. And it will feel really nice to create. Yeah, it will feel really nice to create on the other side of this dark moon. Wishing you all the best. Cheers.